New Testament reading, Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 to 11. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom, and thanks, and honor, and power, and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Good morning. It's so great to be here. It's um, great to be part of your worship, part of the, the liturgy that you follow. I so appreciate the prayers. Um, it's really nice to be here, and many faces we don't know. We would love to get to know you a little bit more as time allows. So, um, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share with you, I was wishing I could somehow transport you to some of the experiences and the interactions that we've had in Cameroon to help you have a vision for the global church. So, I know most of you cannot travel to Cameroon, But I want to invite you this morning to imagine your brothers and sisters in Christ laboring for the kingdom of God as you are, but in such a very different context. So we want to start out by greeting you. And a greeting is a very important part of Cameroonian culture. So we greet you not just as Brandon and Rachel and our kids were some of the missionaries at In Town. Um, We want to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as co-laborers with the Lord and with you in God's kingdom work in this world. We want to greet you also on behalf of the team that we work alongside in Cameroon. Our Wycliffe team is roughly 100 people giving their God-given talents um, to the work in Cameroon so that those whose lives have not yet been transformed by Christ can have the opportunity to hear about him, um, in a language that, they, that speaks to them well and in a medium that's accessible to them. So, for example, some of these colleagues that we work alongside of, they are gifted in language learning or gra- grammar analysis, maybe biblical exegesis or Greek, education, government relations, administration, aviation, um, software or app development. So when you hear this greeting from us, We want you to think of them, too. They are very far from perfect. Trust me, we work together. (laughs) They work with us. Um, They would cringe or roll their eyes at a word like hero, Um, but they are committed both in deed and in heart to the growth of the family of God, a family where we long to see lives transformed by love and grace and forgiveness. So hear their greeting as well. We want to also greet you from your Cameroonian brothers and sisters in Christ. Externally, they live in a context so very different from ours. 
Their daily challenges, their circumstantial problems can sometimes seem, seem worlds apart from ours. And yet, it strikes me that when they begin to give testimony of God's uh, faithfulness in their lives, um, maybe they speak of the timely peace or wisdom that they were given in a time of difficulty, or the strength that they received from him to face temptation, then it all starts to sound so much more familiar. And I really feel that deep bond that we have in Christ. So I'd like to introduce you, so to speak, to our pastor in Yaoundé, Pastor Bodiang, who is so faithful in his study of God's word, faithful in preaching its truth clearly and relevantly to his congregation, faithful in mentoring upcoming leaders to do the same. This faithfulness becomes even more visible when he's called back to his village for a family funeral to participate in the traditional animistic rites as an elder brother in the family. And he decides he cannot participate or give money to these ends. He knows that practices such as these keep his family in bondage to fear of capricious and demanding spirits. Yet this refusal to participate costs him bodily harm. That's our pastor. I would like to introduce you to Papa Jean and Mama Régine, a faithful couple in our church. As Christians, they have been successful in business, even though they've had to work in a business climate where lying and cheating to climb corporate or political ladders is not only accepted, it's expected and encouraged. But Papa Jean is a, a gentle and humble man. He regularly teaches in the children's Sunday school. Um, a story he and his wife told us is how they bought land in the village, which no one was touched, would, would touch because it was believed to be bewitched. They not only bought it, but they built their house on it, and their neighbors waited in fear to see what would happen. Our friends just told them, you wait and see. Nothing will happen to us. We are Christians. Those spirits are nothing. In fact, they and the evil people associated with them, they fear us. Their house and their reputation stand today as a testimony to the power of God. I would like also to introduce you to my friend, Helene Kimbung, who is the secretary in our offices. She comes from the Oku region of Cameroon. Though her and her husband now live in the capital city, they host a regular gathering of other Oku speakers in their home as their way of being salt and light to their fellow countrymen. I have another amazing story about Helene's faith that perhaps we could share in our time afterwards. There are so many wonderful Cameroonian believers that I would like to introduce you to. So as we greet you, we would like you also to receive their tidings. News that God is transforming lives in Cameroon. News that the gospel is worth living and dying for. News that Jesus is the hope of the nations. So please, when you think of us, think of them too. And know that you in town are united with them in Christ. They are your brothers and sisters. In our little neighborhood church, there are Cameroonians and Central Africans, there are Africans and Swiss, I mean Americans and Swiss, Koreans and more. In our organization in Cameroon, there are Cameroonians from more cultures than I know to name, for there are 270 languages in Cameroon. Um, in this organization, there's also North Americans, Europeans, and Australians. And one of the great privileges of working as we do in such a culturally diverse context 
is that all of this togetherness is like an advanced picture of heaven, just a little glimpse of the consummate kingdom of God with that diverse beauty that we long to see. Think of the passage in Revelation 7. So there's something so enriching and challenging, yes, very challenging. We wouldn't want to diminish that at all. There's a great truth there in the challenge, but it is so enriching um, working with so many people from different cultures, working together with the strengths and weaknesses that we as individuals and our cultures bring to the table. Um, I think of in the prayer when it said, many members but one body. So to us, it is a kingdom perspective to see God's family working together with a common vision, praying together, and learning from one another as we share the hope of Jesus with the nations. I hope that God would bless you here in Portland with the presence of some African believers. You would be greatly enriched. So this morning, Brandon and I want to remind us all that we are a part of something grand and global, that Jesus makes us brothers and sisters with people who have such different like, life circumstances than us, and that his message of love and grace, transformation and hope are worth bringing to a broken world. And Brandon's going to continue on with some of that theme. Good morning. So it's been five years now since Rachel and I, and at that time just our twin daughters, first arrived in Cameroon. We now have a third daughter uh, who's three three years old. So as the pilot of a small airplane, I have flown several different types of missionaries, uh, Bible translators, church planters, uh, medical doctors, lots of others. I've flown sick and injured Cameroonians to the hospital, and many times I get to fly healed people back home again, uh, but I've also flown some corpses. One time I flew five units of blood that had been sent from London, and it was on its way to a Catholic hospital up in the mountains where they were going to do open-heart surgery. Another time I got to fly 250 pounds worth of wire and glass lenses to the city of Bangui, so that they could then fabricate eyeglasses. Uh, We do work with some different conservation groups as well. So the flying I do is quite diverse, and I've I've been able to crisscross all over the Central African area now and and become very familiar with the towns and the villages and even some of the huts and the people who live there. But this morning I want to just tell you guys about one place and kind of expound on this for a little bit. It's called Bayanga. Not like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle yelling cowabunga, but Bayanga. Uh, This is a place that's located deep within the equatorial jungles. And eventually it's the Congo River that comes out of there. So this is the headwaters of the Congo. The scientific community has found this place. And they descend upon it from every single corner of the planet uh, because of the animals. There's forest elephants, there's gorillas, there's pythons, hippos. Uh, birds of all kinds, uh, jaguars. There's many different people groups that live in this area, uh, but one in particular is the Baca pygmies. And these are people who, to this day, they build their homes from palm branches and materials in the jungle. Uh, They find their food by looking through the jungle. And they, they construct nets, and they hang these nets up 
and then they push through a section of forest together in hopes of scaring an antelope into those nets. And if that works, then the women who are hidden there jump up and they club the animal to death. So this is, this is a wild place. Um, <clears throat> this past November, while many of you were here in the United States enjoying your leftover turkey and probably drinking a pumpkin spice latte and other lovely drinks. <laughs> I was on a fishing trip in search of another creature in Bayanga. It's got about 18 razor sharp teeth. It's known to attack animals its own size and there's even rare cases where it's attacked humans. This is called the Goliath tigerfish. Pretty epic sounding trip, right? Jungle, manliness, huge fish, you know. Well, hang on. Um, it was while floating down this wild river in search of this awesome fish that I got to spend a lot of time talking to a local fisherman. Uh, this man was our, was our guide. He he's himself is not pygmy, but he, did, he was born and raised in that area. Uh, his name is Blaze. Now, what I did not catch with Blaze was a single fish. No one in our group caught a single Goliath tigerfish, so we were severely disappointed. Um, but what, what I did get to catch with Blaze was a, was a glimpse, a small glimpse. And this is a glimpse that the prophet Habakkuk writes about. He said this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What I learned from Blaze is that in 1916, the Swedish Baptist missionaries first arrived in Bayanga. So it's been over 100 years now that they've worked there, and they've established medical clinics, and they've helped in, in lots of different ways. They did a big water project where they put in a water turbine to provide electricity for a town. I've seen that from the air. But really, the greatest thing that the Swedish missionaries persisted in doing is in giving the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They gave the message of an almighty God in heaven that you should fear and obey, but this is a good God, and we shouldn't fear this God like we do the gods of the ancestors. This God is certainly well aware of our fallen state and our twistedness and our brokenness, but this God is not angrily looking for vengeance because of that. And instead, this God has sent to us his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to remove from us the power of sin and death and those consequences, and to give us not judgment, but life and to top it all off, even his own spirit to live in us now, to be with us. This message that the Swedes brought revealed a God, the God of the Bible, and how the God of the Bible is unlike anything found among the animistic religions in the world, and the poison of fear that, that those people have to live under. Now today, due to, to various civil wars in, in the Central African Republic and the areas around Bayanga, there's no Swedish Baptist missionaries anymore. They're gone. So now we have the chance to ask, what have they accomplished in the past hundred years and what have they left behind? Really, the, the answer is simple. People. That's really all that they've left behind is people. I learned from Blaze that today in Bayanga, this very day, there are people who have gathered to worship God like we have. There's people who are learning that the Creator God loves them and values them, and every other person, every other tribe, every other tongue on the planet. 
That's good news for the baka pygmy because they're small and it's easy to take advantage of them and they are being taken advantage of. But now this message that no, God created everybody, we're all equal in God's eyes, that's being taught in, in Bayanga. There's people today who are learning that they do not have to live in fear of witch doctors and the violent spirits that govern their lives. There's people who are learning today that it is good to be honest, to keep your word, and to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. There's people who are learning to forgive instead of taking vengeance and killing your enemies. There's people who are learning that women have value too, and they are to be treated with love and care, not with violence, and that it is not okay to take advantage of them. People who see the whole of creation as the work of a beautiful God. And therefore, they're less likely to take part in killing an, elef an elephant just simply to remove the tusk and go sell it to an ivory buyer. Blaze told me with a lot of excitement that at his church, they're able to send pastors to go receive theological training, that people are gathering to read the Bible in both French, a language called Sango, and even in Bayaka, which is the language of the pygmy people. Blaze said that his church managed to raise, by themselves, 16 million CFA. That's about $32,000, which, that's a lot of money. That's a, that's a significant amount of money for them. And with that, they were able to build a church together. He told me that every other person working at this lodge where, where I was staying at for this awesome fishing trip with no fish, uh, that every other person who worked there, that they too were Christians as well. So I asked him, I said, Blaze, do you feel like you even need a missionary or would like a missionary to someday come back? And he kind of thought about that and he said, well, they could if they wanted to, but we really don't need them to. And I just thought, if only those first missionaries in 1916 could hear him say that. What a success. They haven't left behind much, but they've left behind people. The Swedish Baptist missionaries have succeeded. And if we had more time together, then I could tell you about the Mbanja people near the Ebola River in the Congo and them receiving the Bible. Or I could tell you about the Hidi people up in the north of Cameroon who have to be careful of their Christian faith because of Boko Haram. And then there's the nomadic Fulani people, and they're receiving medical care, veterinary care for their cattle, uh, they're receiving political representation, all at the hands of missionaries that I know of and have met. All of these events among various people groups of Africa are but dim, obscure little glimpses of what someday Revelation 7 describes as this, a multitude which no one could number of all nations, peoples, tribes, and tongues. At this point, I'd like to invite you to do four things. Consider four things. Number one is a long shot, but if you do it, you might be able to buy a really cool shirt like I'm wearing, so uh, <laughs> if you're able to do it, I invite you, go to Bayanga. Go as a tourist, go see the elephants and you can walk with gorillas. If you can do that, do it. Number two is a lot easier. After church, stay here and listen to us speak, okay? Um, grab some coffee and uh, we'll have some pictures and some stories and probably spend about 20 minutes just talking about uh, what it is we're doing and that way you can see more clearly. Uh, number three, in your own time, in your own way, 
uh, I'd invite you to read the Gospel of Mark. And as you're reading, to ask this question, based on the words and actions of Jesus, what is the kingdom of God like? Because in our world now, we take so much of it for granted. But when I see a place like Bayanga and life for women and children and, and the different kinds of poverty, it helps me to look fresh. And when I read the, the book of Mark in particular, to see how Jesus is establishing a kingdom that's so amazing. Last thing I'd invite you to do is to pray for Rachel and I and for our family. Uh, at the back of the church are some prayer cards and a, a sign-up sheet to receive our newsletter. And to pray for us according to 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is in you. And now let me pray for all of us to close. Our Father God, we thank you for your love and your goodness. Thank you for your revealing yourself to us. And thank you for the promise that this beautiful message is not just for us here in the West, but it's for everybody in the whole world. Thank you, Lord God, for the people in Bayanga. Thank you for Blaze and the church that he's a part of. Thank you for the, the Baca pygmies. And we pray for them, God, that you protect and bless them. Be with them. Let them know you to live with joy and peace and not fear and oppression. Lord, I thank you for Portland. I thank you for this church in Portland. And Lord God, thank you for these little glimpses of your kingdom coming to earth in what seem like insignificant ways. But may that continue. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.